Hello, everyone, and welcome to Post-Acute Advisor Podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, and please be sure to check our website, postacuteadvisor.blr.com, for all your post-acute care news and information, including future podcasts. My name is Timmy Swartz, and I'm one of the HC Pro's post-acute content managers. Today, we'll be speaking with Patty Kleinfelter, Home Health Hospital and Clinical SNF Director. Patty is a consultant at LW Consulting in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. With more than 30 years of leadership, Petty has worked as a home health director to a six-hospital healthcare system across two states and delivered day-to-day -day operational leadership, planning, development, and evaluation of home care services. She's also collaborated, collaborated with leadership to create, maintain, evaluate, and improve clinical practice standards and ensure consistent implementation and service coordination. Welcome, Patty. Thank you. So, Patty, today I wanted to talk about um, infection control surveys in home health. Um, it's a broad overview. I know it's definitely on everyone's mind, So, um, as well as, you know, COVID is also on everyone's mind. So let's just start with, you know, what should home health agencies be doing to ensure they're in compliance if a survey should arise? That's a really good question. Um, the surveyors have multiple areas in which they're focusing on. The first is education, monitoring, and screening staff. So they want to make sure that the agencies have a screening process in place for all their staff to complete prior to the beginning of their shift. And that reviews their exposure to others with known or suspected COVID. And they also need to review the signs and symptoms of COVID. And that includes whether a fever is present. And then what procedures are they doing for screening their patients as, as well? Both of these procedures need to be well-documented, and the surveyors will request to see this. They also want to see what evidence the agency has as far as educating their staff on COVID. And that would include things like symptoms, how is it transmitted, what is your screening criteria, and what are your work exclusions. They want to know how you're conveying updates on COVID to all of your staff. And if staff develop symptoms at work or prior to coming work, what is the process of, for them to report that illness or those developing symptoms to leadership? And that includes individuals, equipment, or locations that that person has come into contact with others. And then is your agency following the current guidance about returning to work? Then they're going to go on and look to see if the staff are performing environmental and cleaning and disinfection when they're using patient supplies. You know, maybe they're using single use or disposable, but if they're using um, single use and they're reprocessing reusable patient medical equipment, how are they cleaning it and what disinfectant are they using? And that disinfectant needs to be on the EPA approved list. And they also need to follow manufacturer instructions. Then they're going to move on to hand hygiene. That's looking at both, both alcohol-based hand rub and the use of soap and water. And they're going to see when are they using alcohol-based rub, you know, if they're, are they using soap and water when their hands are visibly soiled? Do the staff, when they're washing their hands, are they doing it 
per procedure. You know, are they washing them for 20 minutes? Are they using a paper towel to shut off the faucet? And I have seen surveyors that have a watch and they actually time staff when they're washing their hands with soap and water. And are they washing them before and after contact with patients or if they've come in contact with blood, body fluids, or, or their hands are visibly soiled, are they using soap and water? And then this is one where a lot fail. Are they using it after they remove personal protective equipment, especially gloves? And are they doing it before they use aseptic techniques such as putting in a fully catheter, look, working with a central dressing change, or they when they're preparing meds, or when they're doing wound care? And the surveyors will interview the staff to determine if they have hand hygiene supplies, including both alcohol-based rub, and remember that has to have, I believe it's 70% alcohol, so make sure that your alcohol-based rub meets the alcohol percent requirement. So do they have those supplies, both alcohol-based rub, soap, and paper towels? Are they readily available to them? How do they get replacement supplies? And they're actually going to observe staff to see if they are washing their hands appropriately. Then they're going to look at the use of PPE. You know, are they using their gloves when they need to, when they're in contact with body fluids, mucous membranes, or anything that's contaminated? Are they changing them appropriately when they go from dirty to clean? Are they wearing isolation gowns if they're participating in anything that might um, you know, splash on them? Are they wearing the appropriate mouth, nose, or eye protection? And unless additional source control is needed, what kind of face mask are they using? If they're in with a COVID patient, are they using an N95? And if they're using an N95, is it um, fit tested? And they're going to ask again, they'll ask staff, and it's good to actually ask your staff and see how they would respond. Mm -hmm. Do they have access to this PPE? Are there sufficient numbers and amount of PPE supplied so that you can follow the appropriate infection control guidelines? And if there is a shortage, what are you doing about it? And are your staff obtaining the appropriate supply before they're seeing patients? And do they know who to contact to get additional supplies? And then they'll move on to like transmission-based precautions, and they should be using those when caring for COVID patients. So they're going to want to make sure that the staff appropriately don and doff the PPE in the order in which it should be. Again, that they have their N95 mask and it's tightly fitted. That's something recently the CDC has reinforced that masks need to be tightly fitted and they should be fit tested for that. Then they're going to see with these COVID patients, are you using dedicated or disposable non-critical patient equipment, like a blood pressure cuff. And again, if you aren't using disposable equipment that you're appropriately cleaning that with the approved EPA disinfectant and per manufacturer guidelines. And then they're also gonna to look to see if the staff have educated the family and the patients regarding cleaning their contaminated surfaces or objects and environments that are touched frequently by that patient and in close proximity, 
to that patient, like if they had bed reels or a bedside table or their bathrooms. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to interview staff. So always they're going to look for how you're doing it, and they're going to talk to staff to determine if they're aware, do you know what transmission-based precautions are? What does that mean to you? What equipment are you using? Then they're going to ask, you know, what education have you provided to your families regarding the transmission of COVID? And they'll interview staff and they'll interview patients and families as well. Then also part of their survey process, they're going to look at staffing because as part of your emergency preparedness plan, you needed to determine, you know, if you were in a pandemic, what kind of staffing you would have to ensure that you had enough staffing to see the patient and meet their needs. So they're going to say, how is your staffing? Have you had any issues with that? If you've had issues, what practices have you put into place? Then again, they're gonna look at the emergency preparedness plan. Everybody knows their emergency preparedness plans failed them, but it's your opportunity now to go back, revisit them and update them. And so in summary, the surveyors are looking at what kind of education you provided to your staff and your patients, are they using and doing proper hand hygiene. What kind of PPE are they using? Do they know what transmission-based precautions mean? Do they know how to don and doff PPE? Are the supplies readily available to them? Are they using it? Are they cleaning supplies appropriately with the uh, appropriate EPA-approved disinfectant? And have you thought about your emergency preparedness plan and what revisions you might be making? So that's a lot, but they're really focusing on that because it's been an issue. Absolutely. It, it, there's definitely, that definitely is a lot. Um, I keep thinking about, you know, regular surveys and this is just so much more, um, because of COVID, uh, you know, as just taking notes, there's, there's a lot to consider there and to think about. Um, you know, you mentioned, um, and this might be a little bit of my ignorance, but you mentioned, you know, a lot of, um, the survey interviewing staff um, and the like, is there, um, is there still an observation piece of it where they um, see patient care and observe? Oh, definitely. Yep. They'll watch, because they want to see if you're donning and doffing appropriately, if you, right, you're right. washing your hands. So they will make visits with you. Right. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I can only imagine, I mean, it's, it's been a while already. So one would hope that staff, um, is used to, you know, donning and doffing the PPE, right. Um, since, you know, if they've been with you for a while, they should know how to do it. But so it's a lot for, it's a lot of staff education, I can imagine. And it's a lot for staff to know and know well, um, I can, I can truly only imagine. You had mentioned, um, you know, uh, making sure that the N95s have been fit tested. Is there, um, does that have to only be done once? Is there, do you have to repeat that? Do you know? Generally, they have to do it, I think it's every two years, or if they've had a significant change in their weight, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they need to have that uh, redone. And that's just to make sure that N95, I think there's like small, medium, large, extra large, fits appropriately, mm-hmm. tightly, you know, on their face. So Absolutely. it protects them. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, you had mentioned the emergency um, preparedness policy, um, which I hadn't even thought about, you know, that obviously it always happens, right? When there's the actual emergency, there's usually something that could have been improved with the policy. Um, so you mentioned going back to that and, you know, making sure that uh, it's, 
you know, it addresses kind of where it lacked uh, previously. But um, what other kind of practices and policies might need to change if they haven't already given the pandemic? Well, there's been a lot of changes in policies and procedures, Mm -hmm. and you need to make sure that you keep them up to date. I think most people have kept them up to date because when the surveyors walk in the door, they're going to ask to see them, and they're going to look for revision dates. I think most people have updated those. You know, your um, hand washing to 20 seconds, it used to be 15 seconds. Make sure you change that. Um, Make sure you have when a a resident cannot, I mean, when a employee cannot come to work, when they can return to work, how often are you testing your staff? You know, what do you do when you have a COVID patient? What is your transmission-based precautions? All that type of stuff I think are up to date. I think the ones that probably will, we're all kind of waiting on are the ones related to uh, vaccines. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to know what, and no one knows, everybody's asking, like, what should we do if, um, if we're all vaccinated? Why do we have to do all this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you need to make sure that you have assigned someone in your department that is monitoring the CDC and the CMS websites. They're attending the CMS calls or your state directive type calls. A lot of states are having weekly calls about uh, what needs to be done or not need to be done. And that when you have a difference between your state policy and the federal policy, you always go with the most restrictive policy. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what your state's saying. Some states, they review the CMS or CDC guidance, and then they then determine how their staff or their facilities or their agencies or their hospitals will respond to that. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think now they're waiting to see how will the policies change. Everybody's asking. The CDC does not know. They don't have enough information right now about uh, folks that are vaccinated Mm -hmm. to say that you don't have to wear PPE. But again, know that the surveyors are going to be looking for your policies and asking for them. And they look at revision dates. That's the first thing they look at. When was it revised? And if they see you haven't touched these for um, 10 months, they're probably going to question that. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, And, you know, I had meant to ask too earlier talking about these, you know, policies. As far as testing goes, I know um, on the skilled nursing side of things that it depends um, upon the the um, the case rates in your community. Is that the same with home health or? uh, I believe so, but I'm not sure on that. And it there's a CMS regulation that says it depends on your positivity rate. Mm -hmm. But there's also state directives, so you have right. to go with whatever's um, most restrictive. Absolutely. Okay. And um, do you, um, <laughs> this is kind of a fortune teller question, but do you expect further regulation of the home health industry as a result of COVID, um, of either COVID or, you know, the new uh, White House administration? I mean, what kind of changes do you foresee? Well, I think home health has been a little bit lucky with the reduction in regulations, and that included the use of telehealth and that being permissible in face-to-faces and um, with the staff and other providers beside a physician being able to order services. Uh, And both of those, the telehealth use, have gone beyond the National Emergency Declaration. Um, So I think they will continue. 
The other issue that's out there is uh, how CMS is going to determine the payment model Mm -hmm. that has occurred because they're not sure if what's happened with that because PDGM, the new Medicare model, came into effect, you know, the beginning of last year, and then the you know COVID was right there with us. Mm -hmm. So there was a difference in practice. People made more telehealth visits, so the looper rate is much higher um, than what CMS. Um, contributed to or thought it would be. Right, right. The functional, yeah, the functional scores are higher, and um, that's due to maybe potentially agencies paying more attention to the risk of hospitalization because it really wasn't tied to payment before. The comorbidities mm-hmm. are higher, but that's because we only could record five diagnoses or six diagnoses. Now we're up to 25, so you're paying more attention to those. Um, so we don't know from a payment perspective what was related to, you know, not seeing the patients frequently because you're using telehealth visits compared to, you know, what was behavioral changes. There was no change per se in the payment model for 2021, but CMS, of course, is going to adjust the payment based on behaviors and what actually occurred mm-hmm. compared to what they projected to make sure it's budget neutral. So depending on where they go with that and how they interpret the data, we all have to sit and kind of wait. <laughs> Lots of waiting. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, Patty, it was fantastic to have you on. I think, you know, this really helpful information for our home health audience. And I really hope that our agencies out there stay safe and, um, you know, hopefully we'll know more about vaccines and their, you know, and the policies that should go along with it really soon. Um, one can only, <laughs> one can only hope. So thank That's you so right. much, Patty, for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. And, you're um, welcome. I'd like to thank our listeners, too, for tuning in. And as always, be sure to check out our next podcast at postacuteadvisor.blr.com for uh, the next one in about two weeks. So catch you next time, everyone.